0: web components let you prioritize your html elements and style them in disguise using the shadow dom keeping things locked up encapsulation natively from templates to results let's talk about lit html lit element web components as well kicking it off this tools day just let the show go on and play (laughs) <laughs> Welcome to Tools Day, a podcast about tech tools, tips and tricks every other Tuesday at 2. I'm your co-host, Yuna. And I'm Chris. And today on the show, we have Justin Finiani. Justin, say hi.
1: Hi, everyone.
0: So excited to have you on the show. Uh, Justin is a software engineer working on the Polymer project, working on web components and lit HTML at Google. So. A great person to have this conversation with, and we are going to deep dive into what are web components, what is Lit HTML, what is Lit Element, what is Polymer, what do these things mean for the web. But before we dive into it, I do want to say thank you to our sponsors, and our first sponsor today is Linode. They're giving our listeners a free twenty dollars worth of infrastructure credit with promo code ToolsDay2019. Instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in seconds in the Linode cloud with your choice of Linux distros, resources, and node locations. Plans start at one. One gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month, with high memory plans starting at 16 gigabytes. All these plans have an option for hourly billing with a cap and include a 7-day money-back guarantee. There are 10 data centers worldwide, and you can get a server up and running in under a minute. So remember, you get a $20 credit when you use promo code TOOLSDAY2019. Visit linode.com slash toolsday, that's l-i-n-o-d-e dot com slash toolsday, and enter code TOOLSDAY2019.
2: Awesome. Okay. All right. So my first question for you, Justin, is that whenever I see web components, Polymer gets mentioned, and then there's a horde of people saying, no, no, they're not the same thing. So could you help demystify what the difference is, and why are people confused?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, there is a big difference. This comes up a lot. And I think the difference is uh, somewhat historical, somewhat naming, uh, because also Polymer gets confused with polyfills. Uh, because they both start with Poly. Um, So, yeah, and also because our team, you know, the historical aspect is our team was just closely collaborating um, with the web platform team of Chrome um, to help shape uh, the web component specs. Um, And because, uh, you know, web components weren't shipping right away, uh, Polymer was kind of the first way that they were very usable. Um, So to kind of disambiguate here, Yeah, web components are a set of standards, a set of APIs that are standardized in the HTML and uh, DOM specifications, and they allow you to create your own elements. Polymer is a library that makes that easier, and then the polyfills are libraries that make those APIs appear on browsers that don't have them. Um, And so, yeah, there's been this historical confusion. We're trying to tease it apart as much as we can now and, and help people realize that they're not the same.
0: So web components, ideas that they're native to the browser, and they allow for you to write templates that you can render as shadow DOM, kind of like an iframe. An iframe is a good like, mental model for thinking about web components, at least as far as I understand.
1: Yeah, I mean, templating is a whole another area. I mean, one way to think about web components is it's an umbrella term, mm-hmm. and it kind of encompasses a few different standards. Um, the two most important ones are custom elements, which let you uh, define and register your own HTML tag name with the browser, um, and then Shadow DOM, which gives you like an encapsulated area of DOM that a component can own that's not in the main page. Um, templating is related, um, and we tend to talk about like the HTML template element as part of the umbrella, but it's actually not really required to make a web component. Um, and currently, you know, web components don't give you like amazing templating capabilities in the platform, uh, which is why we have libraries like Lit HTML to help you.
0: Okay, so speaking of Lit HTML, now how is that different from Polymer and the? I mean, it's it's within the web component world, but how is that different?
1: Yeah, so I guess if we take like a tiny step <laughs> back and look at how Polymer came about and evolved, right? Um, there was there was a fourth spec that was part of this umbrella previously, which is kind of being dropped and deprecated right now called HTML imports. Mm-hmm. So what Polymer did is it came along and it said, okay, well, so we have these four specs, custom elements, shadow DOM, template, and HTML imports. Polymer is going to give you some glue to tie them all together, let you write a declarative template with some data binding in it, and some JavaScript to do your behaviors, um, and then put it all inside of an HTML import. Um, And this was all based on what we called the v0 version of the Web Components APIs, which only Chrome implemented. Well, along the years, we we got uh, the other browsers to come together and agree on a new set of specs that everybody was going to implement called the v1 specs. And this included new versions of custom element and Shadow DOM, but no HTML imports. So then we got Polymer 2 that kind of implemented that. And then as JavaScript modules uh, became implemented, we wanted to move to that from HTML imports, and we got Polymer 3. Poly- Meanwhile, you know we're in a module world, and things are just kind of quite a bit different than where Polymer was in the HTML world. And so, HTML was invented as kind of a very highly focused library that's just trying to help you do DOM rendering. No components to, at all. Use all of that to web components.
2: To to back up a little bit. So when you say HTML templating, we're referring to I want to create some divs. How do I do it from some from, from some data? Uh, right. Yeah. Right. And so lit HTML is the solution for this in your uh from Polymer. It's saying, I have some data, I have a render library called lit HTML, and I can just build some divs quite easily.
1: Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then the big difference from Polymer is that Polymer yeah. kind of bundled that all together with the component model. Right. Right. It was like this more monolithic approach. And lit HTML says I'm not gonna worry about components. Yeah. Only DOM rendering. Yeah. Now
2: is there a Polymer today still? Or is it uh just
1: piecemeal now? So there is the Polymer project, which is our team and and all the different libraries we produce, including the polyfills. Polymer 3 is a current library. Um, It is basically in maintenance mode right now, meaning we still land some changes to it, um, performance improvements, uh, critical bug fixes and whatnot. Right. But most of our effort is going into lit HTML and then the new web components base class that uses lit HTML, which is called lit element. That's where all the effort is right. uh, uh,
2: today. Okay, so so now if I say polymer now, I mean polymer project, which is which is lit HTML, lid element, and then maintenance mode, polymer the library. Is that a- yes? Yeah. So is that, okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. All I right. Good distinction. <laughs> okay.
0: So if somebody wanted to get started with writing a web component today, what would you recommend they do?
1: Starting with lit-element is the uh, easiest way to go right now. Okay. Um, you know, it's a very kind of JavaScript-centric approach, very much like React. Lit-HTML looks like JSX in a lot of ways. In uh, lit-element is also just more lightweight and less opinionated in general. It's trying to be the smallest kind of possible layer on top of vanilla web components to let okay. you do properties and rendering. So that's the easiest way right now.
2: And to kind of jump on to that, who is lit-element for? Like, if I'm a, I'm a web developer, I like, hey, I want to build an app, is that element for me, or is it for, is it, what is it, is it designed to do with its main purpose, I guess?
1: So, there are differing opinions here. Okay. Um, in my opinion, you know, which I think is the right one. Think,
2: <laughs> okay, of course. Uh,
1: web components uh, <laughs> scale up and down your application, right? Okay. Like, uh, people talk about application components, so like your main app shell. Yeah. They talk about leaf components, so like your button at the end, and then there's kind of this intermediate mode of, you know, medium complexity components that compose other things. Right. Um, you know, some people like to say web components are great for leaf nodes, and that you need a framework for your intermediate nodes. Um, I tend to think that web components work great all the way up, and we have seen a lot of applications built completely out of web components. Okay. Um, th- That said, they are particularly well-suited for leafier components that are more reused across projects. And when you say leaf
0: nodes versus intermediary, what do you mean?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. There's a couple (laughs) different answers there, right? Like, one answer is that, well, it doesn't compose other elements, right? So, like, uh, uh, you know, if you have a form that might use a lot of input widgets and whatnot, maybe that's not a leaf component because it, it the, the inputs would be leaf components. Um, another way to think about it is you know if the component basically renders content. Mm, okay. Right? Like if you provide all the content to a component yeah. via DOM, yeah. then that component itself doesn't have like contentful children that it needs to worry about how to yeah. render. So um, but generally we just mean the lower level components in an app. So
2: so in the React Thank world God. we have like stateless functional components. Are those mm. The equivalent in your mind to a leaf node. It...
1: No, I think that's kind of a different axis okay. in the component space, right? That just means that you know every bit of state that a component depends on is provided to it. Yep. Right, and you can also do this in the web components world. Yeah. Uh, regardless of whether you're a leaf component or or an app component. Okay. Um, so one place we see a lot of uptake of Lit Element is with design systems. Mm, okay. okay. Um, so we've seen especially large enterprises, um, they're kind of curiously on the bleeding edge here of adoption, um, which is different from their reputation, yeah. right? Right. But, Rare. but they ha- yeah, but they have this problem, you know, they have lots of teams, um, that have, you know, legacy projects and new projects, uh, and they want to have a common design system and set of components across all of them and web components make that very easy.
0: So can you use this within other frameworks? Because I know when I've worked at larger companies, there's different teams using different technology stacks, and that becomes a real big problem.
1: Yeah, that's the uh, the dream of Web Components, and it's basically a reality, is that you know when you define a new custom element with the browser, now anywhere that you create HTML, um, you can create an instance of your component. So if you do document create element with your tag name, or you do some inner HTML, or you just have a tag in your main document. Um, and the nice thing is that it's the browser creating the instance of the component, not the framework. Mm. So you kind of don't even have to ask permission from the framework to you know, integrate with web components. It just happens automatically.
2: Mm. That's super cool. Um, so I'm kind of curious. And so um, have you been tracking this uh, massive Rich Harris thread on Twitter? <laughs> today
1: (laughs) i mean if yeah if you see i'm I'm in that thread so of course i have We'll link
0: to that in the show Um, notes but chris can you please elaborate yeah you're going
1: straight to the drama (laughs) we just
0: had him on our show
2: (laughs) we just did um so rich was to describe the the thread a little bit rich was uh pointing out there was a, a a web dev doc that came out about web components and its usage um and his uh I guess I've lost his overall point at this point in this thread, but uh, uh, I guess his take is that, um, you know, is web components usage going down over the year? And then um, if so, why, I guess, mm. uh, was his overall thought process a very, very high level.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a really <laughs> unfortunate thread and take and chart, and, and a bunch of the things about that are unfortunate. But, you know... Uh, people love their drama around web components, especially people who write frameworks. Yes. Um, yeah. So, I mean, what's really going on there is that um, you know, we have two different stats that we're tracking for, for web components usage. We have the v0 um, usage and the v1 usage. Yeah. Um, and we have different sites that have launched at different times and different collection methods that I guess Chrome has gone through um, over the same period of time. So the graphs are kind of lumpy. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and we're seeing V zero usage decline, yeah. uh, which is actually what we want to happen. We, yeah. we would actually want that to happen faster. Mm, okay. Uh, and V one usage is going up, but okay. it, but it turns out if you look at the actual data on Chrome status, that there's this this odd bump in the middle of it, and some of the other features on the web have hmm. similar bumps. Like yeah. CSS grid has a bump in the middle of its of its graph yeah. of a couple percent. Um, so the graph that was shown on the blog post is kind of uh quantized down to half a year steps
2: oh, Okay, and the
1: graph on Chrome status is done like monthly or something. So on Chrome status, you see the bump go up, down and then back up. Yeah, And on the blog post, you see it kind of like go up and then like down just ever so slightly because it yeah. like averaged out the data points. Um, <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is there are a lot of people rooting for web components to fail. Like I said, people who write frameworks and people who are very partisan towards their favorite framework. Yeah. Um, So, you know, any kind of like indication that that's happening, people will jump on and try to highlight. So it's it's just the way it is.
0: But I think there's a lot of people who also are rooting for an approach that's component based Mm -hmm. and that doesn't require a heavy framework as a parent wrapper on it. I think that's like the dream that everybody wants because... Component-based development is now what everyone's used to, what they like, what is easier to work with. There's so many tools that are integrated with component-based design, and like, the patterns we've created are so reliant on that. So I don't really see that changing, and I think the desire to have that be more native is going to continue.
1: Yeah, I do too. And I think hopefully over time, you know, as things kind of stabilize and cool down, uh, you know, people are going to realize, like, how much web components really do pave the cow paths. Like, people have been kind of claiming that they don't, but, yeah. you know, we have some very basic needs out of a component model on the web, right? You need yeah. to know, like, where is your component in the DOM?
2: Yeah.
1: Right? Like, in a jQuery world, you would provide a selector or something or provide an element. You need to know, like, when are you attached or detached to the DOM? When did an attribute change or a property change? Yeah. Um, you, you need to have like a place where your component writes its Dom to yeah and you'd ideally like some encapsulation for styles everybody's trying to get that out of these CSS libraries yeah um, so web components you know one way you look at it is they're extremely low level yeah they just tell you when and where to render and they give you encapsulation mm. um, and I think if you look at them more that way they become less controversial mm, okay um, right that's it,
0: kind of how I view them too because I mean implementation aside the concept I think is pretty universally agreed upon that everything you said, like all the benefits of having a component-based model is what people want. And that's why they've turned to frameworks because they provide um, a basis that allows for that, especially with the sort of data layer to sort of work a little bit easily, more easily between components.
2: Speaking of that, I'm I'm kind of curious, how does um, uh, lit HTML and lit element handle, um, Talking to each other. So if I have a mm-hmm. component that wants to talk it to some overall s- state s- store, um, you know, React has Redux and its you know s- associated libraries. Svelte has its new store abstractions. Um, what's what's the Lit HTML
1: component app interaction
2: version of this, or is it just just use JavaScript?
1: Yeah, uh, it's just JavaScript. Yeah. Um, even you know, in, in Lit HTML, definitely is not a framework. Right? Yeah. So it's purposefully trying to be. You know, focused and small, um, and you just use JavaScript. I think is is not all that helpful because okay. there's a lot of techniques that are like the most common technique you can possibly use, and we totally recommend it. And it's in our docs, and it's just JavaScript. Yeah. But sometimes people need it, you know, kind of highlighted for them. Yeah. So the first thing is that um, web components are objects, the JavaScript objects, okay. right? and JavaScript objects can have properties. Yeah. Um, Properties don't just have to be an instance property on a JavaScript object. They can be a getter, setter on the prototype.
2: Yep. Mm.
1: And if you have a getter and setter, yeah. that setter can know when you've set the property and do something like cause a re render. Yeah. Um, so the most basic thing we have there is observable properties in lit mm. element. Okay. And combined with the data binding in lit HTML, yeah. this lets a parent lit element set a property on a child lit element. Okay. And the child lit element will react to that yeah. and re render. Very cool. Uh, so that that's the most basic thing. Just you know, data down, just like React. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next step would be um, events up. Yeah. So it's just the DOM, and so you can just fire DOM events, including yeah. custom events, that can say when something happened or when some data should change. Yeah. Um, so once you have those two, you can totally just put, you know, at the top of your app like an object that contains all your state, yeah. and you know, mutate it when you get an event and reset it on the way down, and all of a sudden you have something very similar. to
0: You're basically just creating your own state object and keeping that updated.
1: Um, And then, you know, people find it cumbersome to pass data explicitly all the way down on every level of the tree. Um, So we have a lot of people who are just literally using regular Redux in their app. And then they get a store Mm -hmm. into the components and and they use dispatch and everything like that. And that just works. Yeah. Nice. So
0: I want to talk about tooling and getting started, but before I do, I want to take a quick sponsor break for our next sponsor, which is Sentry.io. Sentry's motto is, our code is broken, let's fix it together. Relying on customers to report errors, essentially treating them as an offsite QA team, is not good. It's rude to customers and bad for business. And that's why Sentry tells you about errors in your code before your customers have a chance to encounter them. Not only do they tell you about those errors, but they also give you all the details you'll need to be able to fix them. You'll see exactly how many users have been impacted by a bug, the stack trace, the commit that the error was released as a part of, the engineer who wrote that line of code, and a lot more. So check out Sentry.io, that's S-E-N-T-R-Y.io, and get your code fixed today. So I mentioned tooling or getting started. Are there any resources that you would tell aim people to, direct people to, if they were interested in um, this Yeah, technology? so
1: we've actually been trying to change our whole story around here, because we used to be very framework-oriented kind of oriented and give you, um, you know, all the tooling you needed, mm-hmm. and now we're just trying to say we're just a library. Um, mm-hmm. And ideally, in my mm-hmm. world, it's like, we don't have any element-specific tooling, because it's like, oh, do you need specific tooling for Lodash? No, hopefully not. Right. right. Um,
0: that
1: yeah. being said, you know people want all the kind of guardrails and the you know handholding and accoutrements of frameworks. Um, so one of the best things that we have now is a community effort called uh, OpenWC.org. Um, I be- I believe it's Open-WC.org, um, and they provide um, like Karma and Rollup and Webpack configurations, and they have a little CLI. Um, and they have um, some starting point template apps and everything. And, and um, they tend to prefer lit element um, in their setups. So that's actually a great place mm. to start. Um, we also have the PWA Starter Kit, which is a project we've had for a couple years. And that's mainly um, something that you would clone from GitHub. And that gets you going with a Redux based right. app with some routing, um, showing lazy loading with multiple mm. lit elements. Um, And we have a dev server and a roll-up configuration um, to to get you going all the way to to deployment there. Um.
0: Wow, I like how the example from OpenWC is a game that you actually also have a storybook demo for, the example vanilla set game. So you can see how it's all laid out in storybook, which you mentioned earlier, design systems. This is very much a tool that design systems use. Yeah,
1: actually, I mean, it's kind of funny sometimes when you work on these libraries, you don't get to use them as much as you would like. So uh, I, it's been a long time since I used uh, Storybook, and I keep hearing that um, it now has built-in web components and lit HTML support for building stories, and so I need to try that yep. out. Um, but yeah, I mean, having a starter project that gives you a Storybook to look at all your components and a dev server and testing is, is really nice, and this is what uh, OpenWC gives you.
2: Awesome. Is there, like, a community place that people talk on a lot? So, you know, on Spectrum or on some other forum? Like some sort of... Yeah, we have the
1: Polymer Slack channel. Yeah. Ah, Um, okay. And that is... I'm trying to remember how you get there because Slack's kind of funny. Um, They don't have, like, public sign-up links. But if you look for Polymer Slack, there'll be, like, a Heroku app that you go to. Uh, Yes,
0: Polymer.slack.com. Yeah,
1: you might already... Yes, that is it, yes. Polymer, yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, awesome. And, yeah, we have a pretty active community in there. Um, you know, it's mostly people uh, helping each other out, usually free from the drama of our web components, you know, good or bad and that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah, so my last question usually is, do you have any pro tips for people who, are looking to get started with Web Components or with Lit Elements?
1: Um, yeah, pro tips, not necessarily. I mean, one thing we're finding is that um, people are getting started with both Lit HTML and Lit Element like very easily. Um, it's coming very naturally to people. Um, I think the biggest tip that I have is more of a kind of change in perception or point of view. Um, is that if you try to think about, you know, your application as something that should kind of work without tooling first, and then add in tooling Mm -hmm. as needed um, optionally to do optimizations or, you know, to work around a bleeding edge, you know, thing that isn't working quite right yet, Mm -hmm. um, then I think you set yourself up for, you know, a much nicer developer experience and kind of an easier path forward as the platform evolves. Um, so I really recommend people you know, learn about JavaScript modules and try to get native module loading working in the app. Um, I, I, I can't recommend Rollup enough because they you know, don't support CommonJS out of the box. Like they have a completely module-oriented workflow. Chris
0: loves Rollup. Rollup's well, amazing. <laughs> I love <Yeah>. Rollup. <laughs> um,
1: you know, so they, they kind of work naturally with like kind of a native modules-first workflow. Uh, and yeah, in terms of web components, you know, mostly it just works. The polyfills might have some limitations on IE, and React, you know, React is uniquely kind of bad at using uh, the DOM. It turns out. So with React, you have to jump through some hoops. Um, but if you look for React web components, hopefully you'll you get to the right places there.
0: Cool. Um, Chris, do you have any last questions?
2: Uh, no. Thanks For for me, this has been super helpful for me. I've, I've always had the Polymer project confused in my head, so it's it's great to hear the definition of it. It honestly uh,
0: even helps me like figuring out how all these things stand and how they relate to each other.
2: I actually use Polymer V0 my, in IBM. So uh, IBM Cloud used to be built off of uh, Polymer V0 uh, I didn't for, know that. for a short period of time. And so that was my first introduction to Polymer, and so I haven't gotten over that as much. <laughs> well, as yeah, I, I mean, that's the... <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the thing. things have changed so much that you know, if you haven't yep. kept up with everything um, and you only have experience yeah. from you know polymer pre-release days, um, it basically doesn't look yep. anything alike now. Um, so you know right. we tell everybody out there like give it another shot, check out lit element it's it's very different. It's very similar to what people are used to working with today. Um, and, and also, you know I want to point out that there That's- are. Um, now a lot more options than just the libraries that the Polymer project makes. Um, you know, Salesforce uh, has really gone all in on web components since so they've released Lightning web components, um, and then the Ionic uh, team has launched uh, Stencil JS, which is gaining in popularity. Um, mm-hmm. And you have right. um, projects like Angular Elements and Svelte and Vue will compile to web components. So there's a lot of options out there, and I think people should check them all out
0: yeah so um we'll have links to all those things in the show notes justin where can people find you on On the the internet internet, they
1: can usually find me on twitter with uh justin fignani as my twitter handle i guess you'll have a link to that too it's yep it's
0: f-a-g-n-a-n-i justin fignani so, check him out on Twitter. Also, um, any other URLs you want to uh, I think the to? best
1: one is just the Lit Element uh, documentation site. So, it's just lit element.polymer project.org. Yeah,
0: lit element.polymer <laughs> projectorg Cool. And yeah, <laughs> yeah just Google it and <laughs> you'll find It'll be the first response. <laughs> Uh, Thank you so much for being on the show, Justin, and thank you all. Yes, thank you. Um, This was very informative for both Chris and I. Um, And I also want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. We hope that you learned something as well. If you did, please share this podcast with your friends, with your uh, secret Slack networks, your coworkers. We love your feedback, too. So if you have any feedback, let us know on Twitter or on the Spectrum Chats. Also, shout out to our sponsors today who are Linode and Sentry.io. Use code TOOLSDAY2019 for $20 worth of infrastructure credit at linode.com toolsday and go to Sentry.io to get your code fixed today. Thank you again for joining us and we'll see
1: you next time. Okay, can I hit stop?